Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church, and this is June the 12th. We're going to be here in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you would, 1 Kings 18. We're going to read the first two verses and have a word of prayer, if you would. 1 Kings 18, verse 1 and 2. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would just help us, Lord, as we read through your word, that you will show us what you would have for us today, Father. Thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here, of course, the story of Elijah and Ahab, the king. And there is a famine, which, of course, um, Ahab blames Elijah for. And they are not on speaking terms. Next few verses, just as a precursor, kind of what we would like to talk about today. He goes to Obadiah. And says to go get Ahab because he wants to meet with them. And Obadiah is a little bit skittish, of course. Because if uh, he's afraid Elijah is just going to disappear. And if he does and he's not there when he brings the king, guess what happens to Obadiah? He tells him all the things he's done for God's men. And here he, uh, he goes to meet with them. And there are going to be some accusations thrown. And he's going to bring all these prophets of this false religion that the king has Israel following. This prophets, these prophets of Baal, this false god Baal that seems to prop up its ugly head very many times in the Old Testament. And so when we get to verse 17 of this chapter 18... There comes the confrontation, and it says, And it came to pass, verse 17, Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled it, Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have far forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel and the Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the groves and the 400 which eat at Jezebel's table that's the queen and Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel and Elijah came unto all the people and said how long shall ye excuse me how long halt ye between two opinions and if the Lord be God follow him but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You know, I've seen this before. People, when it comes to confrontation, they don't know what to say. Even if it's plain to see what's right and wrong. People do not like confrontation. But this is a battle worth fighting here. The king and his false prophets were directing the worship in that kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. There were a northern and southern kingdom at the time, and this northern kingdom was worshiping Baal. 
How sad is that? And it seems to happen quite often. In this Old Testament, uh, Israel is kind of like a picture <clears throat> of what Christians do many times. You say, I don't worship false gods. Well, a god can be also something that you put ahead of God himself. You get your god or my god, a little g, that we put ahead of God, and it becomes a god in our own life. we got to be very careful, you know. My grandson last year got me into fishing and hunting. I haven't done that for a while. I do enjoy that. He wanted to learn. So I uh, I got back into a two-point. I can't really dive into it with all my time, but try to do some with him <clears throat> and, uh, and the other grandkids too. So is that a bad thing, fishing and hunting? No, no, it's not. It's not a bad thing. But if some reason, if for some reason I put that ahead of God, then it becomes my God. And you ever notice that when somebody puts something ahead of God, they'll fight for that? They will. You don't understand. You know, I can't do for the Lord this week, next week, and the week after because this is... You know, at the beginning of, of, of golfing, and I really got to do this instead of going to church. As if there's a, you know, you can't do both, right? Or I have to be, hey, man, it is fishing season, height of it. I can't get a church this month. Sunday's my only day off. Or I don't have time to read the Bible, you know? I have this hobby that requires so much of my time and my work and my family when am I going to have time to read my Bible? Well, my friend, if you don't have time for God, then you are too busy. And you have actually put something ahead of Him, and that has actually become your God. So Israel, this is like a picture of the Christian life. They put this God ahead of God, and they worshipped it even. Wow. After all that God had done for them, and this king... And this queen, they put this as basically like the official religion of Israel. What a slap in God's face. Well, what do you think happens at that time when that happens? Well, here comes God's man. And of course, what is like the first thing you need to do when you deal with this? Well, let's look at verse 25. And through the next few verses, it says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call in the name of your gods, but put no fire on it. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called in the name of Baal for the morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass on the noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking or pursuing, or, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves in all manner of knives and ancient and, and lances 
till the blood gushed upon them. And it came to pass, when the midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering and of the evening sacrifice, and there was neither voice nor to answer, nor any that regarded. Elijah basically making fun of them. But what was Elijah doing? He recognized the enemy, and he wanted to show the people what the enemy was in reality. This God was no God. These supposed holy men, these prophets of Baal, they were no holy men. They were nothing. If anything, if you want to say they were something, they were anti, you know, uh, God. They were anti-Christs, right? They were anti-God. They were against the one and true God because they were for another. You can't have it both ways. And so he identified them and showed the people who the enemy was. Who was the enemy? Of course, Satan's the enemy. But he was using this to pull Israel away from the Lord. So what did Elijah have to do then? What did Elijah have to do? Let's look in verse 30. It says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. First of all, he repaired the altar of the Lord. It was broken down. Why? Because nobody was using it anymore. So apparently the people were following this false religion. How do you get back in line with God? Well, first of all, you got to identify your enemy. Sometimes your enemy is the one that looks you in the mirror every morning. Of course, Satan's your enemy. The world. What's the Bible say? World, the flesh, and the devil. Right? And he was showing Israel here, these false prophets and this king was really their enemy and leading them into this false practice remember God's a jealous God and then after recognizing the enemy first thing he did was repair the altar of the Lord I tell you what here's the man of God showing what they need to do who's their enemy and now he's leading them into repairing the altar of the Lord I tell you what sometimes you get back to the man of God you get back to God's house. You repair the altar of the Lord in your life. You dust that Bible off and you get on your knees and you spend some time with the Lord every day. Every day. Is there a drought in your life? Maybe you don't have a physical drought like here. I know out west they do right now, right? But truthfully in our country, there is a huge drought, a spiritual drought. And we need to get this solved, people. We need to get this solved. First of all, recognize the enemy. There is an enemy. Satan. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to repair the altar of the Lord in our lives and get back to a good, sound, fundamental church and start serving Him. Because these other ways are not correct. How do you know the other ways? Are not correct. The Bible that we're reading right now will show you that. So he restores this. He has them dump water on it, even just to show these other people couldn't even get 
their false god to even stir, right? Because he was not real. So he has them dump all this water on this, this altar. And it fills up the ditches around it. We get down here to verse 35 about this. All this water is running around. It says, and the water ran around about the altar and filled the trench. Now remember, this is precious right now, this water, because there's a drought. But he has them do it for a reason. And it came to pass at the time of the offering, even the sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, oh, what's he going to do? He repaired the altar of the Lord. He's seen who the enemy was. Now he's praying. There's a key. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in, in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. He wasn't doing it to get a pat on the back or to be ahead of anything, but he did it at the behest of God himself. And then it says, Hear me, O God, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, the stone, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. I'm going to tell you something. He had something happen here that's supernatural. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, along with identifying our enemies, along with getting right with the Lord and, and repairing the altar of the Lord in our life, we ask for something supernatural to happen in our church. What is that? That the power of the Holy Ghost comes down and works a miracle and revival to be rampant through our churches. That's what we need in America today. That's what we need in our churches today. That's what I need in my church. That's what I need in my life. It's so important. We need a supernatural visit from the Lord himself and the return of his people Verse 39, it says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. A return of the people. We need a supernatural happening tomorrow morning, my friends, in church. That the power of the Holy Ghost comes down in our churches. And does a remarkable thing. What's that? Changes the heart of the congregation. It's a miracle when somebody gets saved, right? And we need those hearts changed. But also, sometimes, the apathetic, cold stone hearts of his people that have become calloused, we need that supernatural work of the Lord himself to change us, don't we? Yes, we do. And here, the Lord changed their hearts with this event. And then what? We have now recognized the enemy. We've confronted the enemy. We've repaired the altar of the Lord. We requested a supernatural uh, help. We supernatural help from the Lord. We, as people, they here they return to the Lord. 
Now what? Verse 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Keshurun, and slew them there. Now I know that we're not going to do that, right? You kill people. <laughs> but they had to do that at that time. Because it was such an ungodly, unholy thing that was going on. And to stop those people from returning to this again. What we need to do in our time is find these false gods in our lives that we have actually put ahead of him and replace them with the Lord in our life and ask him for help for that. And the supernatural power that could come in a church service can come and change our lives. That's what I need. Isn't that what you need? For what purpose? For what purpose? Well, let's look and see what happened to them in 44 and 45. And it says, And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud. Remember, there was a drought. There was a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot. And get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile, that the heavens was black, and the clouds and winds, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Here come the rain. In other words, they received the blessing from above. They received the blessing from above. Let me tell you something. How do we get our things in the right order for the Lord? How? Well, first things first. We've got to recognize what's in the way. Who's the enemy? What's in the way? Is it me? Is it what I'm doing? Is it what I'm not doing? Is it maybe I'm hanging with the wrong crowd? I'm not spending time with the Lord. What is the problem? What is in the way? And take care of that. And then we have to repair the altar of the Lord in our lives. Spend time with Him every day on your knees and in His Word and get to the house of God when the door cracks open. Repair that altar of the Lord in your life. Request God that he would give you something supernatural from the Holy Spirit in your lives and in your churches and in your families to do a, a work that only he could do. And then return to him completely without any reservations. Remove the prophets of Baal in your life. All these things that come between you and the Lord. And guess what you'll get in the return? A blessing. You will actually get a blessing from the Lord. You do it because you love the Lord. But there is a reward. I mean, God is your Father. If you're saved tonight. And He wants to bless your life. It's true. He wants to bless your life tonight. And mine. He loves you.
and cares for you. I'm telling you. Please consider this. Just a few little guidelines from a little chapter in First Kings that can really go a long way to show us how to get our house in order for the Lord. Right? Okay, let's have a word of prayer. If you would, dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this little chapter. Lord, it's a, it's a wonderful chapter. It shows us some amazing truths. And I pray, Lord, you will help me to take lessons from this this week. And if it can help someone here that's listening tonight, today, Lord, I just pray that you would help them. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we ask you, Lord, to help us this week, Lord, to go out and witness to some lost soul. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I hope you guys have a good week. I hope you make it to church tomorrow. And I tell you what, if you find someone that doesn't know the Lord, would you tell them, please? And maybe reread this chapter. There's a lot more in this chapter, really surrounding this chapter, that's an amazing, amazing story. Well, you guys have a good week, and God bless you.